You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, episode 10, the one where everything went wrong. I'm joined by Jack Davies, as always, and I'm not going to ask him how he's doing because it's a bit of a stupid question, but Jack, we are joined by a guest today, there is a third face on the Zoom call, do you want to introduce him? Yeah, so we've got one of my good mates from uni, massive Chelsea fan, through and through, probably the only person other than Nick that I've seen or met that I thought, oh, he's probably as much, if not more, Chelsea than me. Been to Baku, been to Munich, been all over the country to watch the Chelsea. Uh, we've got Louis Fitz joining us. Uh, you right? Yes, fella, we are good on the whole. Right, on the podcast today, we are going to recap that Arsenal FA Cup final defeat. Talk about, well, I guess the positives of that display, of which there weren't too many. We'll talk about, I guess, the general negatives, talking about a certain Mr. Anthony Taylor. Before we get into reviewing the season as a whole and having a more positive, upbeat look back on it, as it was, in general, a good season. But first, boys, there's only one place to start. That was yesterday. The FA Cup defeat against Arsenal. Uh, I'll start with you, Jack. Just first, like, sort of, Feelings about the game? Um, don't think we played very well as it is, but at the end of the day, the referee made some poor decisions in key moments, which cost us. So it it was a tough one to take yesterday. Um, yeah, tough one to take. Hard, hard. Let, letting it sink in today, even though we have had a good season. Yeah. I guess we'll go on to Louis. What were your thoughts of, of that performance yesterday as a whole? Yeah, so the way I summed it up to my dad was 
firstly, we didn't do enough to win the game. The tactics weren't right in the first half. They must have played that long ball down the channel to Aubameyang at least six times, whether it come off or not. So that should have been switched up. And when you've got your captain behind a young, inexperienced right back in his first final, he definitely should have tucked him in for at least five or ten to stop that ball. So that was a key problem. Um, second half, I felt we got a grip to the game. I felt we lacked a bit of cutting edge. Obviously, losing Pulisic is huge. I actually think losing Pulisic was probably the turning point in the game. Like, yes, the ref was an absolute disgrace, but that was that was pretty key. Um, but I don't think Arsenal done necessarily enough to win the game as well. I think the difference was our, our match winner went off, whereas they stayed on the pitch and he's produced a piece of magic to win in the game. Other than that, I don't remember Caballero really making a save. Um, on the whole, they've probably done enough to edge it. But I mean, when the refs swing in the game that much in their favour, every little 50-50 and sending a player off for winning the ball and Jack are rolling around on the floor, I mean, you're playing against 10 men. So, Yeah, no, that's a pretty, pretty accurate and apt description. Obviously, the final got off to a great start, boys, with uh, Christian Pulisic slotting us 1-0 up. And that, I'd say that first 15-20 minutes from us, pretty good. You know, we were on the front foot dominating the game, you know, there was missed another great chance shortly after where Pulisic is shot again being saved. But as we've seen quite often this season, the drinks break came, Arsenal regrouped, and from then on, it was pretty much one-way traffic that first half. Uh, as as Louis mentioned, balls going down the channel, it's it sort of felt inevitable, really. Uh, as Pelicueta then obviously fouls Aubameyang, it's a penalty. It's 1-1, and then to add an insult to injury, he goes off injured with his hamstring. The first bit of bad luck, the first of three injuries we would suffer in the game. Um, but we got to half-time 1-1. Whether we you know, necessarily deserve to is another matter, but we got to half-time 1-1, and we'd seen Christensen come on. And in, in general, I do think Christensen actually had a fairly solid game for his, you know, recent performances. But we never really looked like scoring. And then a couple of minutes into the second half, Pulisic, his hamstring goes. And I remember I texted Jack and I was just like, oh, this is, this is going to be tough now. Because he was our main threat. And as as I said, when Pulisic went off, for me, that sort of was where the hope, the last bit of hope went. Obviously, it was still one all, but you struggled to see us really winning the game and it felt like everything was against us. Would you agree with that guys? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we were lucky to go into half time at one one. I remember me and Louis we were watching it together, sitting there thinking, just get to a half time at one one. And then you think, I'll use the opportunity at half time to regroup like like a drinks break and go out and show something in the second half. But when you lose your best player that early on in the second half is difficult to difficult to then go and win the game because without him we lack so much pace, not as much creativity. Only Mount, but then Mount came off pretty early on. Um, yeah, and I think I don't think we had a shot on target the whole second half. So I mean, if you're not if you're not doing that, you don't deserve to win it, do you? Yeah, can I just get your think- points? Oh, sorry, no, Lou, go on. So, so I was going to say, I think just to add to that as well, um, the two good spells we had in the game, probably more so the first 15 and then probably the first 10, maybe 15 of the second half, 
it come from our midfield, our midfield two, uh, the two pushing pushing the team up the pitch, winning the ball high up. Mount and Pulisic were tucked in pretty pretty well. So we almost boxed in Caballos and Xhaka, forced them, forced them out wide to hold in Bellerin, but they clearly weren't comfortable. Um, and then as soon as Frank said it in his presser, he said, we went 1-0 up and they just started going sideways. He started going to the fullback. The intensity wasn't there. And when you lose... Oh, there's been a lot of games this year, I think. We've been so intense the first 20 minutes. Mm. We can't keep it up and then we struggle to control games. And that's, that's when I said... James had to be dropped in for 10, or probably Alonso as well, because Rudiger especially isn't good enough to be isolated and Aubameyang was getting the run on Dave. So I feel like our management in that aspect wasn't good enough, as well as obviously Pulisic going off, which then meant that we didn't have a counter-attack, basically. Yeah, obviously Pulisic goes off injured. Pedro's the one who comes on ahead of Callum. Was that a surprise to you guys? Were you disappointed to see Pedro preferred over Callum coming on? Lano yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that, I, I partly get his thinking behind Pedro because he's a workhorse and he will he will track people. They, they, it was a stage of the game where we were on top, so that would have probably suggested Callum because Callum can unlock things when he's on his day. Um, but I get the Pedro thing because Pedro does work hard. There's been a lot of games this year where you, even not even this year as such, but at times when Everton at home, for example where you can just rely on him, he'll work hard, he can nick you a goal. And he's done it in big occasions for us, Pedro. Um, you think back, he's uh, he's assisted in semi-finals against Tottenham. He scored against Everton. He scored against Tottenham at home under Conte. So I get it. I didn't necessarily agree with it, no. I feel like it was a time where we needed, we lacked a lot a lot of pace in Pulisic going off. And Callum definitely would have bought that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I would have gone with Pedro, to be fair. I think just the experience that he brings of playing in big games. He's played in Champions League finals for Barcelona, scored in Champions League finals. I know it almost seemed like Frank was sort of doing it to try and set up him winning a trophy in his last game. But I don't think Callum's been good enough this season. So I thought the decision was justified, to be honest. Fair enough, Ralph. We will get on to, I guess, talking about Callum a bit later when we get on to reviewing the season. I also felt that when Arsenal took the lead, as they did eventually, it sort of actually came in a spell where we were playing all right. You know, we were sort of, as you sort of said, controlling the game. And then Arsenal just got that goal. And immediately yeah. my first reaction was, oh, we're not going to come back from this. Because I've, as I've said yeah, to you on this podcast many times, the mentality of this team when we concede a goal is very poor. It was, you know, poor when, we went, when it went back to 1-1. But then after sort of, you know, getting a foothold back in the game, we then concede. And I just thought, there's no real way back. And I think that's sort of been past one of the worrying things about this season is that when this team goes behind, you struggle to see where we're going to come back from. And then yeah. to compound that misery, Kovacic then gets sent off. And that happens. And for me, that was the game killed off. I didn't see any way back yeah. for us. Yeah. We said we the had same. Game. Mid, mid, sorry, Carl. No, we just said the same game over as soon as that happened. Even when the second goal went in, it was ninety percent game over. One once the second yellow happened, completely done. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have much more, more else to say about it. To I, be honest. As soon as Kovacic went off, you're not going to win a football match with Jorginho in midfield on his own. That's the problem. And then when you. I think Ross Bartley's had his moments this year, but I 
I wouldn't look to him in a cup final to go, go on there, go on, get on there and change the game. I think that, I think he's had moments this year where I'm not his fan at all, but I think he's changed changed football matches. He's had spells where he's been quite, I wouldn't say influential, but changed games, scored scored important goals. But he's not the type of... I think Ruben would have been a big miss in that sense. Um, and it was a shame to see him out, but... But yeah, that red. I said, I said to Jack, as soon as it went two one, it felt curtains hundred um, percent. We're needing three goals to win a cup final. Um, how many times are we needing three or four goals to win football matches? It's just not good enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It sort of just felt pretty much as soon as we went one nil up, everything just went down downhill from there. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I didn't, I didn't say it at the time because I didn't want to jinx it, but it was it was almost. It's, it was so similar to that England Croatia game. We almost scored too early yesterday. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's we needed a second. Yeah, if Pulisic had got that, uh, taken that second chance, I think that was almost game over then. We could have gone on it, but we just didn't keep the intensity up. I get it was hard. I get it was like Frank said, it was at the end of a period where we were having three games a week and we were missing probably our most energetic, energetic midfielder on the bench. In, in Gary Kante. Um but if we just kept that up for five, ten more minutes, they were really on the back foot. Holding, holding was just kicking out of play, um, and that kind of surprised me a bit. I do think you lose a bit of that with Drew up front. I'm a massive Drew fan. I think he's been arguably saved our season past ten games or whatnot. But with Tammy, he does. He will. He will lead a press, and Mount will follow. Drew's obviously not as quick, um, so you do get that period where you are on top for a short amount of time because you can't, you don't have the leg, as much legs up front. Yeah, yeah. And then to compound yesterday even further, then Pedro goes off with an injury, looking like he dislocated his shoulder. He needs oxygen as he leaves the pitch. Not the farewell he would have wanted in a Chelsea shirt. Obviously, you know, we press on touching it. Arsenal deserved to win yesterday. No, you know, no excuses there. But one of the big factors in Arsenal's win, or I suppose in our inability to come back, was the refereeing of a certain Mr. Anthony Taylor. He refereed the 2017 Cup final, where he allowed Alexis Sanchez to essentially play volleyball en route to scoring his first goal to put Arsenal one up in that quarter in that final. He's also sent now two Chelsea players off in the two FA Cup finals that he has refed us in, as we touched on that second wasn't even not even a foul really um he'd bear in mind he'd also book mason mount uh, i think in the first half for a nothing challenge and responsible and in my eyes he's responsible for pedro's injury because we should have had a free kick at the edge of the box before pedro gets 100%. fouled um obviously the fa broke tradition in allowing him to referee a second cup final due to uh covid but we've talked, it seems like, you know, it's a common talking point in this country about the standard of refereeing. It's not really, it's just not good enough, is it? Compared to what we see on the champion, on a European stage in the Champions League, is it? No, I mean, if he's going to give yellow cards for little fouls like that, he's got to do it both ways. We can't just be doing it to one team. I think he gave... Did they get booked? Did they get a booking did. at all? I think they he got, got a booking for it. trying to get Kovacic sent off. Yeah, uh-huh. that's it. And then I think, how many did we get? Six? Yeah, half yeah. the team. 
And I'm and sorry, we weren't, as, we weren't as dirty as like when Spur, we played Spurs at the bridge and they got like nine. And they were literally hacking everyone left, right, centre. I, I think um, Kovacic's first one was soft. Yeah. Chaka yeah. made a meal of that. I mean, if I get, if that was his second or third foul, then fine. And I think it was. So I kind of half get that one. But the second one, if anything, it was a foul the other way. Yeah. So to send him off for that, it's just an absolute joke. But my problem with VAR is you've got morons like Anthony Taylor ref in the game, but you've got morons like Anthony Taylor for other games behind the VAR screen. So it's, if, if the standard of refereeing's a problem on the pitch, it's going to be just as a pro- big of a problem off it if they've got the same opinions and views on what is a yellow card and what's not. Mm. This is so one I don't my, know how they fix it. Yeah, it's one of my biggest issues with VAR as well is that they can't review that Kovacic red card because it's a second yellow. For me, you've got VAR well, to clear up errors. You've got to include it on second yellows because otherwise you're going to have instances like that again and that will kill teams off. Because that killed, as we said, you know, Chelsea deserved to lose yesterday, but Anthony Taylor didn't allow us a chance to get back into that game. He killed us off for those last 25 minutes. Yeah, I mean, we said yesterday, like, in any game, usually, no matter how bad you're playing, in the last five, five, ten minutes, you always are going to have that one chance. Yeah. And we had a man sent off with Pedro go off, can't make another sub, so we're playing with nine players. And Jorginho no on the pitch. And yeah, there's no chance we're getting near the goal. So, yeah, the yeah the ref just fully finished us yesterday. Yeah, bear in mind this is the same referee who gave Spurs a free kick initially for Gazaniga Kung Fu kicking Alonso <laughs> in the game of Spurs before VAR intervened, and I could see that clearly from the away end, which is complete opposite end of the pitch. So, yeah, as we said, not a great day for Anthony Taylor yesterday. Um, better, be, better be going down to the training ground again to apologise like last time. That's what I say. <laughs> Building on that as well, he, not only the fly kick, um, Son he that had to, he didn't even send Son off for the kick. That had to go to VAR. I think yeah. he booked Rudiger for diving. Um, mm. uh, the Maguire kick out on yeah. Batshuayi's nuts. He didn't even book him for that in front of the bench. Yeah. Um, the the Dolofo penalty at Watford where he literally goes down after a tap on his shin half a second later he gave that a pen I understand that went to VAR but he, award, he pretty much I don't know if he awarded it or not but it was a game he refed so any coincidence there probably not and then like you said the 2017 final which was an absolute joke yeah yeah look as I said there's a reason no English refs went to the last World Cup because none of them are any good really I guess maybe the exception of, of Michael Oliver but when when, when you know when, as a Chelsea fan, you probably hate Anthony Taylor more than a certain Mr. Pawson. That says quite a lot. But we're going to move on from yesterday. It was a disappointing end to what has otherwise been a very solid, good season from Chelsea on the whole. Before we get into a sort of a deep dive of the season so far, I'm just going to throw some players' names at you guys. But I want to know if you want to see them at Chelsea Football Club next season. Uh, Jack, start off with you. Jorginho? No. Okay. No. Uh, Kepa? No chance. <laughs> no chance, yeah. Uh, Tony Rudiger? <laughs> no, not after no. yesterday. No, okay. I uh, it looks like Willian's off, but we don't know for sure. Uh, Willian, need to I'll, go? Personally, I would keep him. I think he's been good this season. 
been a been a solid player over the last however many seasons. So I, I personally keep him. Louis? I'm unsure on William. Yeah, I think he's. There's so many games where we're on the counter attack and he just seems to just give it away. I think if Z- if Zia and Werner hit the ground running, and I, I think there will be times next year where he plays Zia, uh, plays Werner off the left, similar to the way Abamian plays off the left. Um, if they hit the ground running, if Havertz is going to get over the line, which we all hope, I, uh, that probably leaves Hudson Odoi on the bench, mate, and then one of another attacker. Um, so is making Pulisic there as well. So yeah, exactly. I'm just assuming Pulisic would play because he's without yeah. a shadow of a doubt our best player. Um, but, the last thing you need, based on this season and Hudson Odoi's injury, is him getting blocks and minutes because he has been short of minutes this mm-hmm. since the lockdown. Uh, obviously, reasons why he hasn't lived up to the hype. But no, don't for the for the three year contract, keeping him to thirty five and the money he's demanding, I'd get rid of him. No, and also with Willian, I'm not convinced he's you know he'd want assurances of first team football. He i we you know I don't think we can you know afford to give that to him. So again, I'm with Louis. I would be Willian. Uh, gone. Uh, who else is there? Tamori Lone? No, I'll keep him. Personally. Keep Potent- potential loan if we get someone in, but we'll have to wait and see. Definitely, definitely that's, keep him on the books, though. That's a, that's a head scratcher for me, the Tamori one. I haven't understood it all year. Um, our best run of form, and arguably in terms of lack of conceding goals, was when him and Zuma were in the side. Um, it was almost as soon as Rudiger come back, he started straight in, which to be fair, a lot of us would have, because based on last season, he was a decent centre-half. But as Paul Merson said about Harry Maguire, there's a reason that these centre-halves play in three at the back, and that's because they can't play in a two. And Tony Rudiger looks like one of those, and he now looks like one of those who can't even play in a three. So, so but uh, yeah, I thought Tomori was great when he was in the side. Um, I get he's not going to play 50 games a season, based when his first season in the Prem 22 centre-half. But why he hasn't even featured is beyond me. I don't get that, personally. Yeah, OK. Marcus Alonso? Uh, keep him as a backup. Get a new left-back in. Well, and I get think he's better than Emerson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, as I said, I'd keep Alonso over Emerson, but I think the left-back is an area we need to strengthen on. Uh, Just play him every game against Tottenham. Yeah, save, save, him him Spurs. <laughs> save him to yeah. Spurs. Save <laughs> him um, to Spurs every year. Right. I'm trying to think, is there anyone? There's no one else I can think of. Uh, final. Uh, Callum Lone, or is that just dependent on if Willian stays? I think you've got to keep him either way when he's on that much money. Um, and he's got that much potential. Like Frank says, he, ba- he starts people based on, A, how they've been performing, if they're changing games, but usually how they're training. So if he... He puts it in. He's got. We know. He, we the problem is with Callum. We know he's all got the quality, and I'm sure mm. might touch on this a bit more. But we know that he's got the quality. There's been games this year. I remember Arsenal at home, first 60 minutes. He was absolutely tearing it up. He was the best player on the pitch. But he just needs to do it on a consistent basis, and he needs to get that in product there. You look at Greenwood. The effect Greenwood has on games now. Um, the effect Saka's having on games when he plays for Arsenal. He needs to. He needs to do that on a regular basis. I feel a bit sorry for him with the injury and that, but. Next year, think, I won't. I think next think year he's better. Yeah, I think the thing with Saka and Greenwood is United and Arsenal have had the Europa League this season. So they've had these yeah. so-called nothing games where they've been able to play them and they've been able to play 90 minutes, get minutes under their belt, 
Whereas we had the Champions League and yeah, that's a good point. You want to play your best team. Um, that's a good point. So I think that might be why he's maybe lacking behind those others. Um, I totally get that. He definitely needs the game time. I think he's just a bit low on confidence. And it's so hard to make an impact coming off the bench for 10 minutes. Yeah, I've that. you have to try and show that. Like yesterday, he came on a few dodgy touches here and there. And when you're given the opportunity, you've got to try and grab it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd say, Omar, do you think though that Callum sort of been afforded the opportunities by Frank to sort of play through his poor form? Because it seemed like, I guess, from my point of view, is that someone like Willian, look, I'm not, you know, slaying Willian because I think he has actually had a pretty good season for us. But Willian has had periods of where he's not been contributing, really, not scoring or assisting, and he's still been in the team. Whereas it sort of felt with Callum, as soon as he's dropped off, he's out the team. Do you think yeah. perhaps not been given as fair an opportunity as someone like Willian to rediscover form and even to a maybe a similar extent at some point, Christian Pulisic? The problem with it is, is Pulisic, he wasn't starting at the start of the season. He was coming off the bench a lot. It was, yeah. um, who was he playing on the wings? Willian and, it was Pedro and Mount up there sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Pulisic wasn't even getting that much game. So it was a few games where you think Ajax away, he come on and set up the final goal. He got a start against Burnley, he scores a hat trick. Um, but they were that was at a time of the season where there was less pressure on these games. It was like, yes, we still needed to win, but if we slipped up, it wouldn't cost us our top four. We still had twenty odd games to 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 make it better. Whereas now, if he threw in Callum to start against Aston Villa, for example, it's a that was a must win game. Yeah. Well, same as Liverpool. That was also a must, mm-hmm. must win, must not lose game. So there was definitely more on the game. So I'm hoping next year, just give him a shot, give him a couple of games just to see what he can do and then make a decision personally. Okay, that's good analysis from you two boys. Uh, Chelsea finished the Premier League season in fourth place behind Manchester United on goal difference. Chelsea ended with 20 wins, six draws and 12 Defeat, scoring 69 goals, conceding 54. Um, <laughs> obviously, the defence was a big issue this season. Interestingly, I li- just looked on the numbers on the Premier League uh, app. We conceded less goals at home this season under Frank than we did when we won the league under Conte. We conceded 16, wow. 16 at home this season compared to 17 under Conte. Wow. The, fo- the home form was an issue at the start as well. So that, that's one positive. That's really turned around. Um, well, we won some big games at home yeah, as well. I think, is it six in a row in the league at home now? Yeah. City, we we've, we've done City at home, Liverpool at home recently. Um, so that, that, was, that was important because I remember at the start of the season, all we were doing was winning away. So, mm-hmm. so no, that was, that was a, obviously a surprising stat. But the fact the amount of goals we conceded away from home was just... And that, I think that comes down to what I mentioned earlier. That's just game management. Again, at times, yes, the centre halves aren't good enough. Yes, the goalie was blatantly not good enough. But um, game management at times ain't good enough. Yeah, no, agree. I think at certain points, if our game management had been better in certain games, we'd have had top four secured long before for Wolves. West Ham, cough, cough. West Ham, Newcastle away, Arsenal at home. Um, yeah. There's a few. Um, but look, at the start of the season, no one realistically gave us a chance at top four. The BBC pundits think only three of them out of about 20-odd predicted the last game top four. Two of them were ex-Chelsea and Rude Hullet <laughs> and Mark Schwarzer. Uh, so Frank has done 
a good job. You know, at the start of the season, he said his ambition was to get Chelsea top four. He believed he could get Chelsea top four. Uh, and we have mentioned, we've had some really, really good moments. As I said, we've beaten the top eight at least once in, in all competitions. So that's less beating Leicester in the FA Cup, beating uh, Liverpool in the Cup. But we won away at Arsenal. We did the double over Spurs. We beat United in the Cup. We beat City in the league. We beat Wolves twice. We won away at Arsenal in the league. Compared to last season as well, when we didn't win a single game away at a top, top half team, there have certainly, in my eyes, been signs of improvement, but we can sort of go toe-to-toe with the big sides, not just at home, but also away from home, where last year it sort of felt like it was a nailed-on defeat. Um, yeah, no, definitely not. Massive improvement on last year. I just remember watching games and going to games and thinking, I don't really want to be here sort of thing. Um, none of the fans were supportive of the formation Sari was playing, the football we were playing. And to have a legend like Frank come back to the club straight away, had everyone behind him. And yeah, he's certainly exceeded expectations this year. And yeah. long may it continue. I think I just, with it, Go on, Jack. I was just going to say, we, we were saying yesterday, I think we need to win a trophy ASAP, though, now, after we lost that one yesterday, because people will start questioning him. I don't think it's as much that in terms of um, the trophy. Frank will win a trophy in his managerial career, no doubt. It will happen, and he won't have to wait as long as Mauricio Sarri, and he won't have to wait for someone like Eden Hazard to do it um, for him. But it's more for the players' sake. If We've got... a crop there with 21, 22, 19, 18, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the quicker they get a trophy under their belts, you think about how big it was in even the Carling Cup in 2004 or 2005, whenever it was, I think it was 2004 in Cardiff. That was massive for that group of players because it just sets a winning mentality straight away. And I don't think yesterday was, although we didn't win, being that close to winning and experiencing that failure, I'm hoping it only goes one way in terms of putting more determination in these young boys, but they need to they're going to have to kick on and win a trophy soon because, like like you were saying, Jack, about Sarri, um, there was moments last year, City at home, City in the final, we probably could have won that. Obviously, back, it was a good good game. It just felt, felt like there was no direction at the club at all. It felt like it was just, the direction was, in other words, make Jorginho captain in three years and play everything through him. And we were inevitably going to lose Hazard. So God knows what would have happened this year without, without Hazard and Sarri, Sarri in charge. Um, so that's why I feel like this season has been a, a good stepping stone because we've overcome a transfer ban, obviously, and he's integrated X, Y, Z in terms of young players. But um, it's a real stepping stone in terms of a, you can see the project and you can see where Frank wants to take this team. And that's the difference for us fans, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, boy, if I could, what would you rate this season out of 10? Um... Eight, I reckon. I think, yeah, I'll give it an eight. I think. I think I'll go. I'll go eight and a half. I I think if we won the if we won the cup yesterday, it would have been a nine and a half. And then if if you could put put in a better performance against Bayern and show you worth a bit more there, then it probably could have gone to a gone to a ten for me because after them first two games at the start of the season, getting hammered by United and drawing one one by Leicester and Leicester second half really did demolish us. Remember walking out that Leicester game going. We could be bottom ten this year. We could be around tenth. It was that bad. Um, 
So to get fourth, albeit despite teams around us being absolutely terrible, Frank can't change that. To get fourth is a ridiculous achievement considering we've had Kepper in goal as well. Um, I said to Jack yesterday, the thing with Kepper, he's been that bad, he's probably cost us 12 points. So a good keeper wins you 10 points a season. So there's probably a 20-point swing just on our keeper if we got a proper keeper. And I think if... if I'm not. I don't think we'll get Oblak at all. But if you have got someone of Oblak or Allison's quality in, I think we're 15, 20 points better off. I think he's been that bad, in my opinion. Yeah, and look, I'm not necessarily one for you know the expected goals statistics, but we you look oh, yeah, at we have severely that. like oh we have severely underperformed in that aspect both at both ends of the. I was pitch. just to say I saw a um, clip come up of. Jamie Redknapp at the start of the season in September. Yeah, I've seen that. And he said some, I can't remember, something like it would be ridiculous if Lampard gets top four and gets in a uh, gets in a cup final. He said you'd be ridiculous to think that. Jose yeah. come out and said he was wide, we wide for us in big games. And like you reiterated earlier, Nick, we've beaten every big team. I think we've massively improved in our big games. At times, what's let us down is we've been playing small teams at home and we can't unlock them and then they have one chance because all teams need against us is one chance that goes in. We lose 1-0 to Bournemouth, 1-0 to West Ham, 2-0 to Southampton. So that's why he's gone out and got Werner Zierk and Havertz because we can't unlock teams. We have struggled to unlock teams all year. Mm-hmm. But we all know about the other the issues at the other end. Yeah. Uh, if I press you on, for who would be your guys' player of the year? Um, I, so I would have gone for Pulisic because I think he's with the best player we've got. Um, he's got eleven goals, ten assists this season. Um, the only reason I'm not going to go for him is because at the start he was just coming off the bench and then he was injured for quite a long period. So based on who's been our most consistent player this season, um, I've gone for Kovacic. Um, I just think in game pretty much every game his ability to like break the lines and dribble out of dangerous areas uh relieving pressure on our shambolic defense and turning defense into attack has been a massive um massive positive um it's been creating a few more chances i think this season um and his technical ability is second to none how he just dribbles and glides with the ball uh it's reminiscent of someone like Hazard the only thing I'd say is next season he does need to improve his goal and assist tally but overall I think he's been our most consistent performer across the whole season Yeah, I agree with Jack's point about Pulisic, I think if Pulisic was fit all year it's an absolute no-brainer Bloke's literally been winning us matches on his own, Um, only one who really can unlock a door consistently on a consistent basis every game it's like create a chance he'll have it and I like the way he's more ruthless than Hazard um, Hazard would pass a lot Pulisic is, his first thought is can I get a shot off so I think he could this is a bold statement um, Hazard was absolutely phenomenal for us but I think Pulisic could put up better numbers given if he if he stays fit in terms of goals um, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong but I think there was only a couple of seasons where Hazard got over 15 Premier League goals Um I think if Pulisic was fit this year, he would have been hitting around 20 in all comps. So, um, so yeah, I agree with that point. Um, personally, I would have gone with Mount. Um, I think Kovacic has been brilliant. Um, but I, 
I find it hard to give it to a player of the year to someone who doesn't really impact games in terms of their goals or their assists. I think Mount has done it on big games to you. And I, even, I know um, this is quite a contradictory statement, but Tottenham away, he didn't even score assists, but he was brilliant um, in terms of his press, great chances, everything. So, um, personally, you. I'd go Mount. Yeah, thank um, you. There's a lot of agenda on Twitter about Mount, and I don't get it at all. I think oh. he, you look at his season, he's had a, probably a better debut season than Frank. Yeah. Um, if he can have the same work ethic, he's got he's going to have some career ahead of him. But yeah, but yeah, pers- I think Kovacic is great. But I think pers- personally, I think Kovacic needs two eights next to him. So we need a Mount and a Ruben or a Mount and a dream scenario Havertz um, next <laughs> to him because he does. La- he's he's great in that middle third. He can get the ball turned, go around three players. But his final ball sometimes it's like, it's like I don't know. He, he, he turns from what Kovacic into someone like. Uh, Added by all going forward, it, it, it's bizarre. Um, but but no, I agree. He's been consistent. Um, I don't think he works with George- I don't think he works with Jorginho that well. I think they can pass it between each other. But going forward, they don't give you that. That they don't win your games. You look at midfields. We had Lampard, Essie, and Balak. They'd they'd be nitty gritty and win your games going forward. They they're good. They're, all, they're nice on the eye, but they ain't got that that final cutting edge going forward. So. But no, that's why I'd go in Mount. I think he's done it on big occasions. And I think for his first year, he's been phenomenal. Yeah, no, I agree. There's more to Mason Mount than goals and assists. As you mentioned in that Spurs game, uh, he was, I thought he was phenomenal that day as well. Uh, uh, young player of the year? I've gone for, Mount. I've gone for Mount for young player of the year. Right. Exactly what Louis said. Seven goals, five assists in his first Prem season at 21 years of age. That's not a bad first season at at the top, at the very top. It's gone, gone, went away from Chelsea. You had a good season at Vitesse and a good season at Derby. Rack up some professional games. And he's come back, been in the team, been pro- probably Lampard's go-to player, first name on the team sheet. Um, his work ethic is just ridiculous. It, how he can press. And he just, by doing things like that for the fans watching, it just proves how much he wants to play for the Chelsea badge and how much he cares about the club. Yeah. Um, um, Louis, your young player of the year? Yeah, Mount again for me. I'd give him both. Um, just quickly, though, shout out to Tammy. Um, second half of the season wasn't great, but first real season in the Prem in terms of consistently playing, he's going to strike as I go up and down. But to score 15 goals, zero penalties, the only two other players under the age of 22 to do that are Mbappe and Sancho. Um, first half of the season if we didn't have him uh, we'd probably be below if not around Tottenham I think he'd probably won us about 20 15 20 points I know if you bring in Drew or something he might still score or whatnot but I think he's been crucial to aspects of our season and it would be really disappointing if he doesn't get the game time next year because I still think he deserves it and I think it would be nice to see him actually play with someone like Werner because I think they're both offer something completely different so yeah uh, credit to him but yeah same reason and same reason um, as my player of the year, Mount for young player. All right, thanks for that. And everybody will be back in a sec for part. Welcome back to part two of that Chelsea podcast. Uh, we're now resuming on goal of the season. Jack, what was your goal of the season? Right, I've I've got a few. I've got a few notable mentions before I say what my goal of the season was. So, my notable mentions are Willian against Spurs 
away, uh, Ross Barkley against United in the FA Cup, Tamori versus Wolves, Mount versus Villa, and Pulisic versus City. Um, the goal I've gone for as best goal is actually Tammy Abrahams against Watford, where Jorginho played that beautiful pass first time through and Tammy lobbed Foster. Um, but the goal that I'd say got me the most excited was definitely Batshuayi's against Ajax uh, in Amsterdam because that was a late 85th minute goal, sort of a game where the youngsters sort of come of age, finally back in the Champions League, a big game. So that was my that was the one that I enjoyed the most this season. All right, Louis, what was your goal of the season? Yeah, so my honourable mention is Reese James against Ajax, not for the actual goal, but just like the scenes. It was incredible. Um, but my actual goal of the season was Tammy against Wolves. His was it? I think his, his hat trick goal. So the ball, right, yeah. ball come over the top. Uh, he's run onto it, squared Cody up one on one, gone one way, gone the other, and then just whipped it across the keeper. And I, I don't actually think it was probably the best goal scored, like Jack mentioned, Pulisic against City, even Barkley, Mount against Villa. But it's felt like a long time since we've had a I mean, Costa and then probably Drogba, where we've had a proper striker who can just square someone up one on one, shift it, get half a yard, and just whip it in. Um, yeah, just like the way he just created something out of nothing, and that was that's that's how you get the best out of Tammy. Just get me get me in mind one on one. It's different to Drew. Like you don't really want to go into his feet ten yards short. You just get it down the channel and get him running after it. He's he's rapid. So yeah, my my goal was quite a few. Obviously, you know, I'd say as you mentioned, Reese James against Ajax purely just because for the absolute scenes. The that mm-hmm. course, you know, if I would have, you know, it wasn't a goal, but I'd also for Azpilicueta's disallowed goal against Ajax to put us 5-4 up. Yeah. That was, um, I'd say, I, lo- I did love Tammy's goal against Watford. That was a really good goal. Um, obviously, Bashawai against Ajax, again, a great goal. Uh, Tammy away at Arsenal was a brilliant counter-attack. Yeah. From us. And watching Chelsea score like counter-attacking goals is, is, is really good. Uh, however, William free kick West Ham as well. Forgot about that. That was, that was good. Goal. Yeah, I, I am, however, gonna go for uh, you. I'm gonna go for Ross Barkley's against Liverpool in the FA Cup because purely because it's it's Ross and he doesn't. That's not something usually in his locker. Uh, no. And also, it was just honestly a fantastic goal. It really was, and it put us two 0 up and sent us on our way to going through. Um, yeah, a brilliant goal from Ross, the boss, Barkley, a.k.a. the Scouts Maradona. Um, Another shout out to for um, Tammy away at Liverpool as well, purely because of Pulisic. Yeah. Also, that run was incredible. Pulisic's goal against Liverpool itself wasn't bad as well. Yeah, I think that he waited 15 minutes too long to get them boys on. Should have got all three yeah. of them on at half time. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, we haven't even mentioned Tamori Stunner against Wolves. That was pretty good as well. <laughs> um, yeah, come on. Yeah. Uh, I'm now going to go on to best performance of the season. So not necessarily a game you enjoyed the most, but what do you think was Chelsea's best performance that they put in this season? Um, I think both games against Spurs, we were quality in both of those. Um, Ajax away, good in that. But I think... 
best performance of the season, I think I'd have to say the game against United in the semi-final at Wembley. I think we just dominated them against a front three uh, that were on red-hot form. I know they didn't all start, but a team that were playing well at the time, we weren't given much hope, to be honest, before the game, and we played them off the park, so that's mine. Ajax away for me. Uh, we rode our luck a bit. I think they had a disallowed goal, which was literally like Promise's foot or something ridiculous. But well. I, I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought we were brilliant that game. Um, tomorrow again, tomorrow Zuma at the back, brilliant. Um, two subs worked. Pulisic come on, change the game. Batshuayi obviously gets the winner. I'm not a Batshuayi fan at all, but he has scored some big goals for us. To be fair, um, clean sheet with Kepper in goal. Um, don't come very often. Uh, yeah, no, that for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but to be fair, I do think you could probably put, pick out a lot of you know performances in big games. I think Spurs was a fantastic performance. Our only clean sheet we kept away in the Premier League this season was away yeah. at Spurs when we beat them 2 0. And that was probably one of the most convincing Chelsea wins I've seen going up against yeah. a big six team, especially away from home. We schooled them that day. And given the form we were in as well at the time, that was a very, very good performance. I'm This one might be left, maybe left field, but I'm going to go the Everton 4-0 game at home. I thought we were just superb from minute one in that game. And if we were being a bit more clinical, we could have easily put five or six past them. Yeah. And it was a pretty good day. Yeah, Billy Gilmore running the show. We saw Jack, your boy Armando Broja come on for his... Premier League debut, we saw Tino Andrin come on as well. It was sort of just a, in a way, it's sort of a, a really good way, but that was for the last game that fans were actually able to be in the stadium for because it was a brilliant, brilliant performance. So, yeah, that would be my game of the season. Again, honourable mention to the United FA Cup semi final and uh, the City game at home. Now I'm going to go on to your boys' favourite moment of the season. Um, seeing Frank in the dugout, um, coming back to the bridge, that was a good moment. Um, but for me, being at a game, it's, it's got to be the Arsenal way in the away end, playing pretty poor for pretty much 80 minutes of that game, coming back, scoring a late goal, and the... Uh, so-called limbs in the away end is uh, pretty good to experience. So that'll be my moment. Fair enough. For me, I can't pick between a few. I think Tottenham away was huge because Mourinho just saying Chelsea can't do it in big games, X, Y, Z. And then you go there and the youngsters and you see youngsters and Frank cuddling and Mourinho walking down the tunnel. That's a great photo. And he's a right bellend now. Don't like him. Um, so that, that's, that's up there. Um, I think United in the semi-final was huge because it felt like Oli had one over on Frank the whole season, and he—I mean, he did do it in three-one, but getting one, we were much—we are still a much better side than they are. They're—they're they're rubbish. I mean, they're back like they signed Maguire for eighty million, and he's absolutely pony. Um, so getting seeing him score an own goal that was brilliant. But the the one I've actually gone most mental for is the same as Jack when Tammy scored. I absolutely lost it because I was getting loads of grief from Arsenal that day. So I think I'll go that, but Tottenham behind. Yeah, that's nah, fair enough. I've my go quickly. My favourite three moments of the season: Reese James's equaliser against Ajax. I'll go. Jamie, Jack, you and I are both in the away end at Arsenal. That was a brilliant day. 
as he said, we were poor for large parts of that game, but we actually won a game coming from behind and won a game where we didn't play amazingly. And that was, and again, we talked about an early pod, Frank making the change early, bringing Jorginho on for Emerson, changing from a three to a four. That felt a really big moment. But I think my moment of the season, and it's gonna, it will live me for a long time, was just the scenes at Tottenham at full time. Frank in front of the away end, you could see how much it meant to him. And yeah. that whole away end was just buzzing. It was, it was just, it was party mode. It was just before Christmas. We just beaten Jose. It was a perfect way to go into Christmas. It was a brilliant performance. Opened up a bit yeah. of a gap in Spurs then, didn't we, as well? Yeah. Yeah. No, if, yeah, Spurs had won that. They'd have overtaken us at the time. So, for sure, you know, as I said, this season, despite not winning a trophy, there's still been some unbelievable moments following this team. And also, I'll just throw in Mason Mount scoring his first Chelsea goal and scoring the first goal of the Lampard era against mm-hmm. Leicester. That was another brilliant moment. But my moment of the season is the Lampard at full time to, to the away end at Spurs. Now I'm going to ask you, boys, what are your hopes and expectations for Chelsea next season? Now, obviously, this is the start of hopefully a long and exciting project. We're going to need to have patience. Uh, in my eyes, we're certainly on track, if not slightly ahead of schedule. If we'd won the FA Cup, I would have just, you know, firmly put it in my mind that we're ahead of schedule. Uh, we obviously came got into the top four on the last day of the season and, you know, barring a miracle, we're going to be exiting the Champions League of the round of 16 again. What are you hoping we see from Chelsea next season? Not, not, not just necessarily in terms of, you know, league and cups, but what are you hoping we see more of them improved on uh, next season from this? Uh, concede less goals. <laughs> that is the ultimate goal. I think, We've made some good signings already, um, but at the end of the day, if you can't defend and we're still conceding goals, then it doesn't really matter how good your attack is. You're not going to go and win games like 7-5, do you know what I mean? So you need to shore up the defence. And if, if we do that, then I think top four certainty next season. Try and close, I don't think it will be challenging, but try and close the gap on City and Liverpool. Um been, it would be nice to have a decent run in the Champions League next year um, and then just try and challenge for the two cups as well, really. Uh, but I like, I'd like, I think me and Louis said this, we'd like to see Frank stick to, stick to a 4-3-3 next year more so than switching it about. Yeah. Yeah, for me, one thing I'd like for next year is less injuries. Um, when you look at this season, people talk about losing Hazard on the transfer ban, but one of the biggest issues this year is, like I said to you boys earlier, our three best players last year are Hazard and Kante, who were our two only world-class players. And then you could argue on the back end of last season, Loftus-Cheek was arguably our best player before he done his Achilles in some ridiculous front league. We lost one. Kante's played exactly 50% of football matches. Our new signing Pulisic and probably our best player has, I think, probably started 50% of our matches. Loftus-Cheek's only just come back from a massive major injury and unfortunately picked up another minor knock. So I think you've got to keep some of them boys fit next year, especially Kante. We're not going to close the gap as much as Frank will want unless Angola Kante's at the base of a 4-3-3 and you play two eights next to him, in my opinion, because that's clearly what he's gearing up to do. Um, Like like, um, Jack said, 3-4-3 is a great backup plan for games where 
it's not working, we're getting overrun, but we can't be using it as our first formation anymore. Um, you've got you've got too much attacking threat. We Mount's best position is an eight. Um, you you lose a lot with. I get that he's do, he's still influential off the left mount, but you need Pulisic off the left. That's where he plays. Um, you need two fullbacks who can get up and down in a four, and really we need a proper centre half to sort this back line out. Um, but yeah, in terms of expectation. I think we've got to close that 33 points. And I think we will. I don't think it will be 33 points next year. Um, another final. Uh, I don't, it's hard to say. With Chelsea Football Club, we should win trophies. We, I think this is the third season under Abramovich where we haven't won a trophy. Um, so realistically thinking, if you're going to spend 200 million next year, we've got to win a trophy. Like Jack said, a Champions League run. But not, not a chance now. I expect us to be winning the league next year or the Champions League, in my opinion. Um, it's too much to sort out. I think a keeper will sort a lot of problems, but there's unfortunately a few more than the keeper, which it needs replacing. Yeah, we'll get on to that in a minute. I say my expectations for next season, a comfortable top four finish, hopefully closing the gap on City and Liverpool. Uh, I'd like to see us win a cup. I think we've mentioned it earlier, it's massively important for this young group of players to get a trophy under the belt. Obviously, they've been winning at youth level, but it's a big step, big difference and a big step up from youth level to men's football. So I think it would just be great for Frank as well just to sort of get that one off his back. It was something, you know, some of the still dogs, Pochettino to this day, and he's a fantastic manager. So Frank can get that one out yep. of his way. And look, the Champions League, you, you know, you can't really predict because you can, the, no draw is easy. You don't have an easy game in the Champions League. I would like to see us win a Champions League knockout tie, though. We haven't won one since 2014 when we beat PSG thanks to Denver Bar. And you think we've won two league titles since then and we haven't won a Champions League knockout tie since. So that's something I think we definitely, definitely yeah. need to improve on. We saw Louis mentioned, you know, I guess, signings. Uh, Jack and I, we've obviously mentioned the need for a goalkeeper and a left-back. Boys, who would you hope Chelsea can try and bring in in the summer transfer window? Um, it depends who's available. Like, it's so difficult to say who's actually available. I think for left-back, talk of that Taglifico from Leipzig or whatever. Oh, no, I actually. Um, but I think maybe we should just go for Chilwell. I think even though he's, he's not been as good second half of the season, he's still 23. Uh, I know he's English, so he'll probably cost more. But he's played in the Prem, played for quite a few seasons now. I think he'd do a good job. So I'd go for him. Centre-backs. Uh, try and bring in Rice, but I... Don't really see West Ham letting their prize asset go for on the cheap. So that's another one. Difficult to say. Hopefully we'll get Havertz over the line in the next few weeks. Um, I wouldn't bring any more midfielders or attackers players in. Uh, I think we're overrunning it there now. Some people might have to go out on loan, etc. It's just it's just the defence, centre-backs, left-back. And then... Whoever's available as a keeper, honestly, anyone will do anyone better than. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, for me, um, people keep saying, "Why are Chelsea buying Werner? Why are they buying Havertz? Why are they buying Ziyech?" But you think how many games have we lost this year at home, or to crap opposition, 
where we couldn't break them down. And like I said, all it takes is one chance they go up and score. It's no wonder we're buying these players. It's been, we scored, would you say, Nick, 69 goals? 69 goals. It's actually the third yeah. best in the Premier League. But if you yeah, look at us, lo- you watch our games, we do struggle. It's a lot of goals, but there's been time just under Ancelotti, we had Maluda, Drogba, Anelka, Lampard, Deco, Joe Cole, all chipping in with big goals. Even Ashley Cole that year got three. You had a centre-half in John Terry who would... Kalou, exactly. You'd have a centre-half in John Terry who would get you six. Um, I'm not sure any of our centre-halves... Tomori scored a few. Rudiger scored twice at Leicester. Um, but yeah, there's, there's been a clear... Yeah. The, don't, don't get me wrong, the defence needs fixing, but these, so did, we needed to add to our firepower 100%, and we've done that. Um, so they can hit the ground running that we get Havertz over the line. In terms of a back line, yeah, I agree with Jack. Um, I kind of agree with your point in terms of keeper, anyone will do. But in my opinion on a keeper, you, if you're going to get a keeper, you, after spending 72 million on Kepa, you've got to get it right now because people talk about this Alison Van Dyke thing. When you look at 2004, we signed Czech and Carvalho and they completely transformed our team. Don't be wrong, we had John Terry in there. But um, we need someone of the same statue and same presence that Petr Cech bring and even Courtois I don't like Courtois anymore for obvious reasons but he won us football matches Sunderland away you can just remember 1-0 down he produced an absolute worldie of a save so and it, obviously the dreams are black for obvious reasons but he's going to cost 90 odd million they're not going to take Kepa on a swap I'd be very surprised if they did so realistically Onana for Ajax for 30 million um can't say I've ever really seen him play other than when he's played us in the Champions League one last year. But from, like you said, Nick, I'm not a big fan of goalie stats. I think they're quite misconceptive. And unless you look at Keppers, which are so blatantly rubbish, um, I think he'd be a good buy for 30 million. This is going to sound quite ridiculous, but Nick Pope, although he's not an attractive sign-in by any stretch of the imagination, I think he's a brilliant goalie. Keeps the ball out the back of the net. And if you if you really want to ruffle some feathers, then put a bid in for Henderson see what United do with that because there's pressure on them to make a decision on De Gea this summer um, so that will only intensify it and then we all know left back I mean take anyone there Jesus Christ that's been painful all year um, and centre half yeah I'd go out and get Rice personally um, where this team lacks leaders I think Aspi is a leader but I don't think he really leads a group that well he sets an example in the training field but that Kepa situation last year where he went over to him and he didn't demand him to go off JT and Frank would have dragged him off because that was disrespectful. Um, I don't think he's as much of a leader as what we had in the past. I know it's hard just to pluck a leader out of thin air, but I think I think Rice would bring aspects of that. You can see he's a young captain for West Ham when Noble's out and I think he'd give you that leadership quality. I think he'd be a good buy. Yeah, yeah. No, I've mentioned on podcasts before. I like I like Aspi a lot, but I I describe him as a social media captain, a PR captain. He says the right stuff, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't. He I don't see him giving like a rocket to the players if we're underperforming or that. And the amount of times we sort of had disappointing results, and Aspilicueta says, "Oh, it comes out under press. It's not good enough. We'll get. We'll work on it. We'll do. Yeah. We'll come back stronger. Whatever." But you know, we the results we've had sort of in recent seasons, you know, the Bournemouth-type losses, they're becoming too frequent and we need real leaders uh, in the team, in my opinion. Yep. So, yeah. And they're no, not cheap. No, no, exactly. Look, I think centre-back's tough is a tough spot to fill because off the top of my head, I can't think of many top centre-backs out there. 
And, no, and we should have we should have gone and got Delit when he was gone. Yeah, that was an absolute steal for fifty million or however much it was. Um, I know he's been injured this year, and he's he's going to go on to be probably a brilliant centre half for Juventus because their centre halves are old. But if they're de- desperate for Jorginho, is it worth an ask? I don't. I'm not saying by any stretch of imagination. I don't think we'll get him. He's an absolute dream centre half for his age. But we need someone like that. Someone who takes takes games by the scruff of the neck and drags his team through it like John John Terry did all the time for us. So yeah, yeah, no. I agree, as said, there's not the, a, there's a dearth of real top-quality centre-backs and those that are top-quality are playing at top, top, elite-level clubs. So we're not, we are going to struggle uh, to get one. Look, I've said, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Anana. Purely on what I've seen of him, I've not seen enough to, you know, to have like a strong, strong, definitive opinion of him. But what from what Ajax fans say about him and from what I saw in him on their run in the Champions League last year yeah. and his two games against us, he looks like a good, yeah. good keeper. He's young. He's young and one of the positives as well. That Ajax team plays very attacking, open football, and he'd have been yeah. used to bailing them out at certain points. Exactly. That's my worry with Nick Pope. Don't think he could do that. Um, I think yeah, great. But this is the thing I was saying this to my mates the other day. There's so much ag around goalies distribution now. And don't get me wrong. You look at City in the way. Edison, they'll come in short and Edison will just ping one up the pitch 60 yards straight to straight to Riamalz's feet and next you know it's three on three. But they don't make goalies like that. Like they, I think they're trying to, but we signed Kepa based off of some distribution and some good stats in that's in Spain. But in my opinion, distribution should be second out of how good you are at shot stopping. Or Black might not have the best distribution, but that Atletico Arsenal game last year, he, he, I've never seen a goalkeeping performance like it in my life. He just kept them in it all game and next you know Griezmann goes up the other end and scores and it's 1-1 um, and like I said earlier on the pod I think if you have someone like that in goal he not only saves you 20 points but he keeps you in games you shouldn't be in at yeah. all um, there's been games this year where we have been blown away like Sheffield United and I saw a stat 30% of our shots we faced on goal Kepa hasn't even dived yeah, I don't I know whether that. that's saying are you small or are you is your positioning wrong or are you just not attempting because it's there's been a lot of long ranges over the past two years where he dives and it looks like a midget man in goal. Um, where Courtois would have just completely plucked it. Um, and it's just, you, you can, it's clear that Frank doesn't trust him, the defence doesn't trust him. And I wouldn't mind us signing a keeper this summer and not signing the centre-half if the keeper was 100% good enough. Because I think the keeper, you can say, yeah, the defence doesn't give keeper confidence and vice versa. I think it's definitely the latter of the keeper doesn't give the defence confidence whatsoever. I think if you put Oblak in front of that defence, we'd concede a heck of a lot less goals and we probably wouldn't need, we could address the centre-back next summer, in my opinion. Yeah, look, well, I think, you know, we touched on it earlier, Zuma and Tamori were arguably our best centre-back pairing this season and we did actually look fairly, fairly solid with them when they were given an opportunity. Um, Right, I think that's, everything we wanted to cover. We've reviewed that Arsenal game. We've re- reviewed Premier League season on season as a whole. We've reviewed certain players, whether we'd keep them or sell them. So, yeah, I think that is everything we wanted to cover in this episode of the podcast, Jack. Thank I you. I have one quick question all. for you. Sure. If that's all right. Just pops my head. What would you do with Ethan Dam- Ampadu? Oh, that's a good discussion. I like him. And when it's tough because I remember Conte played him at centre-back 
and he played in in the League Cup games. He, he got played... booked in 30 seconds against the foe. I don't know if you remember that. He just clattered him first time the ball come to him, he got booked. But then he was classed the rest of that game. Yeah, quality. The rest of that game. I, I like Ampadu. I'd like to see him involved. I also think he's a bit of a leader as well. He's quite a vocal presence. You know, he's not, he's not had many games at Leipzig this season. But when we saw him play Spurs, he didn't look out of his depth at all playing in the Champions League. He, he sort of owned that pitch. It's tough with Ampadu. I'm not against him going out on another loan. I think it just depends, you know, what Frank sees in pre-season if he yeah, gives yeah. him a chance. Because obviously, pre-season, again, we don't really know what pre-season is going to consist of due to the short yeah. turnaround in seasons. I'd like Ampadu. Yeah. I certainly think he's got a big, a big future here. It's just a question of where we play him. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I think he needs to come out and say, if you're going to play 4-3-3, I want to be two of us, one of two centre-halves or I want to sit at the base of the midfield. Personally, a lot of people think of him as a base for midfield, but I think considering how bad our centre-backs have been and what I've seen of him at centre-half, I'd play him centre-half all day long. The only worry I've got with it is his height. I think he's still six foot. I mean, John Terry wasn't exactly a massive centre-half, and I know I keep going back to John Terry, and he's the best centre-half to ever grace the Premier League, in my opinion. But you don't need to be that good if you're hard in a tackle and your position is that good. You don't need to be that tall if you're hard in a tackle and your positioning's good. And I think, from what you've seen, he's got both of them. Do you really think he would have been worse than Christensen and Rudiger at times this year? Right. I, I don't think so. I think Christensen's so. one that's massively disappointed me. He's regressed in, my, in regressed, in my opinion. He looked quality under Conte. And then ever since that Barcelona game at home, I've banged mm. on about it so many times. His confidence just seems to have been shot. And there's been glimpses. Yeah. I thought, you know, he was solid in the Europa League final last year and in general that Europa League campaign. I thought he was yeah. solid when we beat City at the bridge, albeit he wasn't actually going up against a striker. And I thought he was okay <laughs> when he came on yesterday. But against big physical strikers, we saw him get destroyed by Benteke at Palace. Oh, that's it. That was embarrassing. And Anton- that Antonio in the West Ham away game was just embarrassing. Uh, yeah. I like Antonio. I think he's a good player. But it he, he, he wasn't even like strikers usually peel on one and take that just... If, it, if, if it's Van Dijk with Lovren, you just go on Lovren all game. But he was just taking the pick out too. He just going into either of them. They were that bad. And that's what baffles me with the Tamori decision. It's like, I don't... I think he's definitely quick enough to handle someone like Antonio. He might not handle him physically, but... I don't think he would have got the run on him like he had on Christensen. Yeah, no, I say Christensen, Christensen's a shame because he got all the talent. I think his concentration at times goes missing. It. I just his physicality. I just don't think he's suited for the Premier League. It's not strong enough. He did well. In... He makes a chat tackle or goes up for a header. He's always he's on down. The... Every he's time. The I'm not being funny. Yesterday it was a good tackle in the lead up to Aubameyang's goal, but it went straight to Pepe. Didn't go out of play. So it was a good challenge. He timed it well, but it went straight to Pepe and he was on the floor. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't ever seen JT lying on the floor unless he got booted in the head that one time. No. Usually he's throwing his head in front of it to block it. Yeah. Um, I just Like you said, Nick, I don't think he's cut out for the Premier League. Um, and I don't think Rudiger's cut out positionally for the Premier League at the minute either. I think, right. I think Zuma's, Zuma's this second half of the season is showing that he's definitely good enough to be a squad player, in my opinion. Um, you could argue yesterday with the goal of a, I personally think that was just brilliant from a Bamiyang. Um, yeah. 
he showed him onto his right, tried to show him onto his left foot. He'd done that and he's just dinked the keeper. Yeah. Um, but the other two for sure got to move him on. No, exactly. I agree. Really I, think, has, I was so massively wrong on Rudiger. Honestly, those first, his first two seasons with us, I thought he was probably one of our best centre-back. And I remember yeah, his performance in the FA Cup final against Man United. It was brilliant. It was immense. Well, our yeah. mate Alex said to me, Nick, that he's the second best centre-back in the league. This was like just before the restart. He said he's the second best yeah. centre-back I've seen, apart from Van Dijk. Oh yeah, no. So you, I get it from I got it from Gary and I got it from Jabs as well. They said, yeah, I thought Rudiger was good, and it's just crazy. It's crazy how it's much not based he's not on bad up. evidence though. He, like you said, yeah. he was good. He, he was, was good, good for he, two he seasons. Had, he had a stinker against Roma away to start with, yeah. and then after that, he was brilliant. I was saying to my dad, um, if he keeps on like this, he he could be on course when Aspi goes to be to be club captain because um, I felt like he had some qualities in that aspect. But this year. God almighty, he's been yeah, one of the worst centre-halves I've seen. What's well. he doing? And he's, you know, arguably at fault for the Arsenal goal. Massively, just pushes out oh, of the line. 100% it was his fault. 100%. When you've got Marcus Alonso at left wing-back, he's not going to cover you. Hold your ground. Yeah. No, that we, was... managed, we managed Arsenal a lot better. Sorry, Jack. We managed Arsenal a lot better that second half in terms of that long ball. That was the first time they got him behind us. And it's because he stepped out. Yeah. Just the fact on, as well that we fought across the first half of the season but yeah our defence was a bit shaky not great and we thought oh Rudiger's going to come back he's going to be fit and he's going to sort sort the defence out shore it up and to and be fair his it. first game back I think was Lille at home and we were actually pretty good that game and I thought I remember yeah. watching it there was a couple of games I remember watching him at the start and it was like we do look a bit better defensively here and it's just gone downhill yeah it's, it's gone downhill for him which is a shame because I've, you know he was probably develop into a bit of a cult hero. You know, everyone going, Rudy, Rudy, when he clears the ball. He's been, you know, he has two seasons with us. He was a solid, solid player. But this season, it's just gone downhill. And look, ultimately, if you're looking at, I'd prefer to give Ampadu game time over him next season. Same with Tamori. If you're looking at who I'd off, try and offload, Rudiger, I'd try and offload. Christensen, I'd try and offload again. And then look at our centre-backs as Zuma. Tamori, Ampadu, Ampadu, and one other, and one other. Which hopefully, you know, maybe if we can get Rice, maybe if we can convince them, you know, take take Barkley, take Batshuayi, you never take know. Everton, take Kepa, take Caballero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think, I think we, we will be at a point soon as well where we'll get a keeper this summer, but we'll need a backup. Yeah, I mean to because be Caballero fair, is going to retire soon. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Cavalier is actually a bad backup option for the Cup. Nor do I. I think he's a decent backup option. I don't think he done much wrong yesterday. Either. No. But. I don't, to be fair, when he's coming, I don't think he's necessarily done that much wrong in the games he's played. No, he had a moment at Leicester, didn't he? Leicester yeah. away in the league. Yeah, oh yeah. On true. the whole, a lot, a, lot, a lot better than Kepa on the whole. But again, what I'd say with Caballero is if he'd been goal the whole season, I honestly don't think the picture would necessarily be too much different in terms of the goals we conceded. Maybe we'd have conceded a few less, but I don't yeah, think... Yeah, I think the long ranges would have different. been a diff- Long ranges would have been a change, but no, I'm with you on that. We need a goalie who's going to organise our back line and scream at him. Yeah, well, that's my that. biggest issue with Kepri. He doesn't command his box. He doesn't come out and claim crosses. He's flat-footed on his line. And the amount of that goals... That Liverpool he- game... He's been rooted to his spot as well. Is yeah. I can think of you know Sheffield United. I think was it their second 
the first or second goal, he just rooted second to his goal, spot. Yeah. yeah. He made a half decent save for the first goal, yeah. but he just palmed it straight to him. Yeah, no, look, there's it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of players that need to be moved on. I think it's, you know, systemic. Of, we've been buying players for systems. We bought players for Conte system. We yeah. bought players for Sari system. And Frank's had to sort of deal with that this season. We've not naturally been buying players, you know, smart. We've not naturally been smart in terms of our recruitment till it looks like this season under Frank. It's still early days. I don't, even, I don't really see this as Frank's team, to be honest. Not He's at all. You look at our last, but... you look at our last thirty-five buys or something ridiculous, and half of them are just tragic. The amount of tragic left backs: Falcao, Pato. Right, Danny Drinkwater, Bakayoko, the list will go on. But then you look at our last five, I think Pulisic, Kovacic, Ziyech, Werner, and then potentially Havertz. It's clearly been a clear shift. I don't know whether that's down to Frank or Petter. Um, but in other words, yeah, I think, like you said, we need to, to, to sacrifice a year to get our recruitment right for a project rather than right for one manager who's going to get sacked. We yeah. can't sack Frank until... Unless it goes really sour, but even still, I wouldn't sack him. I love him too much. So no, no, exactly. Just look, just look at Liverpool with Klopp and Mask, what he inherited, and how long it took him. Look, we, you know, Chelsea have had a lot of short-term success, but it's caught up to us now. We can't afford to, yeah. just, you know, try and keep keep doing it. It worked, you know, under Conte. It was brilliant for a season and a half, and then it went downhill, downhill massively for Sari. It was less than that. It was arguably about the first. Three months of the season. Then it well, we were blessed with a, an era of Drogba, Terry, Lampard, Czech, Ashley Cole. We literally had a captain in every position. Yeah, that's And true. then once all of them went, we were blessed with one of the best players, Sever Grace, the Premier League, and, and Hazard, who bailed us out year after year. We don't have either of them now. Yeah. So that's why you need to change it. Yeah, no, exactly. It's been a good discussion with you boys. It's been great having you on, Louis. I'm sure we will get you on again in the future um that wraps up episode 10 of that chelsea podcast just want to say to everyone listening thanks for all the support you've sent us so far there'll be messages you sent to jack messages you've sent to myself messages you sent on twitter uh it means a lot we'll be back with some stuff during the off season ahead of the new premier league season so make sure you stay tuned for that but until the next episode everybody keep the blue flag flying high Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.